The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you could learn more about spirituality and how it can work in your favor, would you be intrigued? Of course you would. It's time to get real. This is Get Real Radio with your host, James Robinson. In our show, we'll interview fascinating guests with the intent of bringing you closer to who you really want to be. Get ready for some of the most profound radio on any airwaves today. Now, here is James Robinson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Get Real Radio with James Robinson, and my very special guest today is Deborah Poneman, and if you don't know who Deborah Poneman is, you probably have been living in a monastery somewhere, because Deborah is one of the most popular and well-known spiritual empowerment teachers on the planet, and so welcome, Deborah. Thank you. I'm so happy to be with you today. And and first of all, I do want to say that I, every time I listen to my intro, the woman that did that sounds exactly like you. So I have that added benefit of thinking that every show I'm being introduced by Deborah Poneman. So... <laughs> Uh, which would be quite a quite a feather in my cap, but Deborah has worked with uh, some of the biggest names in the spiritual world, self empowerment, uh, psychology. She's written uh, and co-authored books. She's got a very successful self empowerment uh, program called Yes to Success, and a couple others and. Beside of that, she's a very busy girl. <laughs> and so the one thing, I, I know that a lot of people uh, would love to know a little bit about how you got to where you are. How did you get started in this business? Hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to make a really long story really short. It was the 1970s, and I became a meditation teacher. And for the entire decade of the 70s, people could calculate how old I am. Uh, I spent with some of the greatest spiritual masters of the East and teaching meditation to uh, real, about a thousand people, over a thousand people. I stopped counting. But at the end of that decade, I realized that woman does not live by uh, love and meditation alone, that I actually had to make some money. So I left the meditation community I was living in. I moved to L.A. because I thought that was where the money was. But it's actually a very important principle of success, and that is follow your intuition because people were saying to me, why are you leaving the community? And it was all, we're all my friends were, and I and I had long meditation program that I did in a group, but my intuition said, uh, go west, young woman, and I went to LA, and I started selling investments, tech-sheltered investments, which couldn't 
could not have been further from what I was put on earth to do, but I didn't think about what made me happy or what my skill set was. I thought I need to make money. But even if somebody is in a job that is wrong for them, you have to look for what's right about it. And, you know, if you can't be in the job uh, you love, love the job you're in, and you never know why you are where you are. And one day, one of my colleagues invited me to go to a seminar that I thought was going to be on stocks and bonds, and I walked in, and it was on the law of attraction, and this is 1981, and it blew my mind when the guy said that everything we have in our life is created by the power of our mind. And if we think thoughts of success and prosperity will bring that into our life, and if we think thoughts of lack and limitation will bring that into our life. But I knew the truth of what he was saying. It vibrated in every cell of my body, and I did what any intelligent person would do. The next day I went in, quit my job, spent the next four months completely immersed in the knowledge of the great masters of uh, using our minds to create our success, like Napoleon Hill and Wallace Waddles. And uh, I launched my seminar, Yes to Success, in 1981. And the rest was history. Within a few years, it was in being taught in seven um, countries on four continents. And this was way before the Internet. This was snail mail and telephone lines that usually didn't work. And I was teaching. I had many corporate clients, Mattel, McDonnell Douglas, Xerox. And that was long before women were actually... Uh, <laughs> teaching in the corporate world, and um, and that was it. I had the first infomercial in the history of infomercials to teach a self-improvement product and um, or to offer a self-improvement product, and um, that's how it all happened. I'm going to drop some names here because you have some very famous students, and I know that... A lot of people will recognize these names, but I, I just have to ask, uh, what was it like teaching Deepak Chopra? <laughs> well, actually, when Deepak was my student, he wasn't Deepak. <laughs> when I mean, he was always Deepak, but he was, um, I believe, chief of staff, or he was some kind of doctor at a hospital in Boston, and he just came to my seminar like anybody else came to my seminar. But what I had people do was I had people think outside the box. What do you really want to do with your life? What do you really feel your calling is? And um, and then at the end of the seminar, I would have people stand up and say something outrageous that they were going to do. And he said that he was going to write the first book that would show the uh, relationship between Eastern and Western medicine. And then I would have everybody else in the room put their attention on the success of that person's um, statement in that person's vision and we did that for Deepak and within a few years he had a New York Times best-selling book on the relationship between Eastern and Western medicine and for him as we say when we want to be cliche-ish the rest is history. Well that's uh always wondered how he got his start but uh there's some other big names too, Janet Atwood, Marcy Sarnoff, and and others who uh, got their. I, I, do they have similar stories? Were they just in a normal Muggle kind of job and all of a sudden well, blossomed you, into something yeah. else? Yeah, you know, th this is actually a great point, and I'll tell you. First of all, I do not take ownership of being the person who, or personal ownership, 
Um, I believe that we're all just playing our roles, and I believe that those people would have been successful and, and New York Times bestselling authors no matter what, but I just happen to be <laughs> the actress in the role of teaching yes to success when they showed up. But I also utilized and lived the principles. I took the principles that I taught very seriously, like the power of of groups putting their attention on your desire, like we did with Deepak. And I remember when Marcy um, Shimoff came up to me, you know, she has sold 15 million chicken soup books. And I remember, and also Happy for No Reason and Love for No Reason were also New York Times bestsellers. And I remember when she came to my seminar and after it was over and she came up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, she was a, a graduate student at the time, and she asked me if she could be my secretary assistant. And one of the principles that I teach is treat everyone as the most important person in the world because to them they are. And that's the way human beings deserve to be treated. And I gave her my full attention and I listened to her. I didn't think, oh, she's just some student. What could she do for me? But I gave her my full attention and I immediately recognized her brilliance. I immediately recognized the contribution that she could make to my my company. And I hired her as my secretary assistant. And I she was one of the main reasons that I had so much success. And with Janet Atwood, she same thing. She wanted to work for me. And I said, well, you know, if you want to be a trainer, you have to uh, take the seminar a few more times. And she followed me around the country. She talks about it at the beginning of her book, The Passion Test. But again, I don't discount anybody. I could have said, oh, well, Janet, you have no um, background in teaching seminars like this. And, and, and she had said to me how nervous she was to speak. Marcy said also she would never be a speaker. But now she's one of the most successful and highest paid women speakers really in the world. And um, But one of the principles is don't discount anybody. Everybody has greatness inside of them. And that was what I lived and that was what I expressed to those people. And again, now they have these glorious careers and they're New York Times bestselling authors. And if I paid some little role... Um, Yay, I'm grateful for it. When you, well, have you, uh, I know you took some time out to, to be a, uh, a mother. A and, <laughs> and so you got out of the corporate world, the business world. How hard was it to get back in that? Well, wow, you were asking the best questions because I did, uh, in 1988, because one of the things that I teach is to um, be authentic and live your authenticity. And when I, uh, when my daughter was born in 1988, I knew that if I was still going around teaching seminars when my heart was home with my baby, then my authenticity meter would have been way over in the negative range. So I did. I gave up my career for. 20 years, 18 years, and then three years later, my son was born. So that added three more years on that I decided that I wanted to be a mom at home. That was my new passion. But the beautiful thing is that because I saw other people's greatness, they were waiting for me to come back out and they were, Marcy, for example, you know, I'm the best-selling author of Chicken Soup 
for the American Idol Soul. And it was so much fun to write that book because I got to go backstage and hang out with the idols and interview all of the idols. And you name it, you name them, I know them. And um, I you know, hung out with Simon and Randy and Paula and, and the directors and the producers. You know why I got that book to write? It was because two very important principles of success. One is because I treated Marcy as the most important person in the world. I listened to her. I hired her. She became the woman's face of the Chicken Soup series. And when they asked her to write Chicken Soup for the American Idol Soul, she was under contract for her new book, Happy for No Reason. And they said to her, do you know somebody who's a great writer who knows American Idol backwards and forwards? And she said, I've got the perfect person. (laughs) And the two things, one was she knew I was a great writer, and two Why did I know American Isle backwards and forwards? Because I followed my heart and I stayed home with my kids. And what does any self-respecting mom do on Tuesday and Wednesday night with their tweens in the, you know, in the early, um, I guess it was 2001 and 2002 and 2003, you sit and you watch American Idol. So because I followed my passion of being a mom, I was handed a best-selling book to write because it was the number one uh, TV show of all time still is, and the number one nonfiction book series of all times coming together in one book, and I was handed it to author. That's a, that's a great story. Yeah. But, it all, but I have so many questions about that because it, it, the first one would be, what is different between the American Idol soul and a <laughs> ordinary person's soul. <laughs> That's so beautiful. And the answer is nothing. But the, I'll tell you exactly why that book was so great. And uh, you know Steven Tyler. I was backstage uh, at Idol, I don't know, a couple years ago when he was one of the judges. And I was with my friend Donna Schumann, who's a um, PR agent in L.A., just happens to be a friend of mine. So we're backstage. She has her book with, she has my book with her. I don't carry it around because I'm not fabulous at self-promotion. We're talking to Steven Tyler and she takes the book out and she says, you know, Deborah wrote this book. And Steven says, oh my God, I love that book. Takes it out of her hand and says, I love this book because when you read the stories about the idols, he said, I give this book to every young person I know because it teaches them that in order to be an overnight success, it takes a lot of hard work. Absolutely. And see, and that's the beautiful thing about these idols. They came from poverty, from broken homes, from living in their cars. Some of them were illiterate, some of them, and yet... They followed their dream. They followed their passion. They didn't give up. And in that book, Chicken Soup for the American Idol Soul, which is probably still available, even though it's about six or seven years old now, it's probably still available on Amazon. When you read their stories, you see the way they followed their passion and they overcame incredible obstacles. So the difference between the American Idol Soul the kids that became top 10 American idols were not necessarily the most talented or the best looking or whatever, whatever, but they were the ones who didn't give up. Good point. Yep. So what was it like co-authoring a book with Mark Victor Hansen? 
and Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield. Well, Jack and Mark are both just, they're both precious people. And they're also absolutely the epitome of, you know, what Winston Churchill says, never, 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 the six words to success, never, never, never give up. Because you know their story. They got a hundred or more rejections when they had this idea, chicken soup for the soul. But they didn't give up. They just kept going. And then finally somebody said, okay, I'll um, publish your book. And then it became the greatest phenomenon in, in, in nonfiction history. And both of those guys, I love them. They both walk their talk. And that's the other thing, the difference between people who become successful and people who don't. The people who are really teachers who live their teaching, they're the ones whose success is lasting. There are a lot of teachers out there who espouse one thing and live another, and they might have some success in the short run, but not in the long run, because right now, people are very astute. There's a very, very high vibration on the planet right now, and those people who are false teachers, false prophets, they are going to vibrate right out of the limelight and right into some not very great karma if they are not the teachers living the teaching. We live in a very special time right now, and the energy will take care of itself. What is your definition of energy? Mm-hmm. Well, I have a lot of it. No. Well, the energy that I'm referring to there is just the vibration on the planet. I mean, if, if I would just stop talking for a minute and just be silent, everybody could feel energy vibrating around them. They could feel, just, just feel it. You could feel the grace vibrating around you. And it's very high right now on the planet. I remember um, one of my very first teachers, Maharishi Mahashogi, um, in the, in the um, 70s, I referred to this. I used to spend um, months at a time meditating eight to ten hours a day. I know that's hard to believe, James, but I really did. And sometimes we would be in silence for days, weeks, even a month at a time. Sometimes I would spend the whole month of January in complete silence without speaking at all. And now I could, I used to spend a month, now I could maybe spend a minute, but those were different times. (laughs) But I remember somebody saying to Maurishi, how many more years do we have to spend in these long periods of meditation and long periods of silence before we achieve self-realization? And he said, oh, he said somebody could be walking down the street of New York and inhale the fumes of a bus as, as it passes by and go into enlightenment. So, well, <laughs> so what my definition of energy is um, it, it's different for everyone, but it's the grace that's vibrating around us. And what we need to do is tap into it. And some of us, it takes a little bit longer than others. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have to take a break here. So, let me uh, interrupt the conversation to let our sponsors have a word edgewise. And so we will be back with Get Real Radio and our guest, Deborah Poneman. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Think of the world. 
50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Listen for MD Radio on the Voice America Variety Channel. That's Muscular Development Radio. Every Monday, your host, Sean Ray, will take you inside the world of bodybuilding and health and fitness. The show will feature Hall of Fame bodybuilders, trainers, judges, and the future champions of tomorrow. Plus, you'll be invited to participate in our call-in Ask the Pros feature. And our nutritional spotlight will feature products that can help you achieve your fitness goals. MD Radio is broadcast live Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Get Real Radio with James Robinson. We'd love to hear from you. Please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mr.jamesmedia at gmail.com. That's mr.jamesmedia at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Get Real Radio with James Robinson and my guest, Deborah Poneman. And Deborah, I just wanted to ask you a question. Are, you know, the people that ended up taking your courses and going on to become known as very, very famous people, were they insecure when they came to your courses? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That is so funny because, yes, I mean, I mean, we all are. We all have our own thing, you know, our own Achilles heel, our own weakness that we came in this lifetime to uh, overcome. But, yes, and, and they will admit it, um, Marcy, my dear Marcy Shymoff, who's actually one of my business partners now in yet another endeavor, she refused to um, to get up in front of a group and speak. And the only way I got her to do it is I was supposed to, I was living in L.A., we were living in L.A., and I had a seminar that I, yes, a success seminar that I needed to uh, do in New York, and I became ill. And I said, Mars, you have to go do it. Nobody else could do it. I mean, you would have thought that I told her, asked her to, you know, walk on a tightrope between the, the two twin towers. I mean, she was petrified, but she went and did it. And now she speaks uh, all over the world in front of groups of thousands. But you know what? She says she still gets nervous before she goes in front of a group, but she does it. She feels the fear and she just goes for it anyway. Well, what advice can you give people that are in a situation that they're going to have to pluck up their courage and go do something that they would rather not do? 
Well, what I tell people in the speaking industry, and I have coached speakers before, but I think, you know, people say, oh, imagine your audience all in their underwear. No, I don't think you should imagine your audience all in their underwear. What I encourage people to do is to not go onto the stage thinking, how am I going to look? What am I going to say? How are people going to, I hope they like me. I hope I don't have spinach in my teeth. I hope I remembered, you know, to advance my PowerPoint. No, it's how can I serve? How can I give? And just ask to be a vehicle because that's all you are anyway. And all of those, how do I look? That's just going to get in the way of the flow. Basically, just open yourself up to being a vehicle for the creator to work through God, the God, which of course is the God of your understanding. I just say, let thy will be done. Please use me as a vehicle to touch the lives of those people out in that audience. I am here to be just a tool in the hands of the divine. Just flow through me and give those people what they need. And when you get yourself out of the way and it's not about you, but it's about those people that you've come on earth to serve, that's when the peace comes over you, and that's when the fear will leave. Wonderful. Let me, what, let me ask this. What are you working on now? Well, well, you know, my favorite thing to do is I love giving live talks. That is something that I always love to do. I love to speak to women's groups and unity churches. And this coming up on Monday, I'm speaking in Ann Arbor at a great program called um, Elevate Gen Y. I'm talking to uh, oh, about 300 Gen Yers, which I'm so excited about because uh, my kids are Gen Yers and Believe me, I know about Gen Y, and um, and I'm also thrilled to be offering a year-long program with Marcy Shimoff. And again, principle of success. I hired her. Now she is mega, mega, mega successful. And when she had the idea to do this program called Your Year of Miracles, which is a year-long program for women to help women create miracles in their lives, and it is so successful. We have 1,800 people from all over the world, 38 countries, and these women are manifesting miracle upon miracle in their lives. And um, and again, when Marcy had the idea to offer this program, she wanted a partner to do it with, and who does she call? But me. And because of that, you know, that circle of reciprocity, and um, that's what I'm most excited about, I'm most excited about the miracles that are manifesting in the lives of the women who are in our year-long program. Every month is a different theme. The first month was um, uh, actually setting your intentions for the year, and then we have a month on wealth and a month on health and a month on um, emotional freedom and a month on clearing the um, physical and emotional clutter, and anyway, you get the picture. And we have guest speakers, and that's what I'm very, very excited about right now. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to change tracks on you here and ask you something totally off the wall. Because you're a parent and because you are a well-known motivational speaker, how in the world do people raise children in this generation? What is it? What is it that... Uh, some do's and don'ts about raising healthy children. 
There's one gigantic do, and that is to um, to be congruent, to don't tell them to do one thing and then you do another, to not to tell them to be uh, honest and then you're not honest because you know what? All of these kids, you know, the indigo kids that, that were born, um, certainly when my children were born, these kids are born with such a heightened sense of intuition, such a heightened sense of right and wrong, such a heightened sense of when somebody is being a total, excuse my French, BSer. I mean, I'll just tell you two funny stories, okay? One yeah. is about my son. When he was about four years old, um, I had a People magazine lying around. Not that I buy People magazine. My babysitter must have brought it in. But sure. <laughs> anyway, so I had a few, I'm just kidding. But I had a People magazine lying around. And he goes over, and he's just starting to, to sound out words. And he says to me, Mommy, what is anorexia? And I said, oh, honey, anorexia. I said, that's a disease that people have when they're really thin, but they think that they're fat. And he says to me, oh, do you have that? <laughs> and I said, no, Daniel, of course I don't have that. Why would you ask me if I have that? And she said, and he says, well, you're really skinny, but every time you look in the mirror, you say, I'm so fat. Ooh. And when you think about that, these kids, they are so perceptive. They're like little sponges. They, they soak up everything you say, and they remember it. So don't go around saying you're one thing and then and actually being another thing. So um, that's one story. And then I want to tell you a story about my daughter. This is recently. My daughter is a, um, <clears throat> she's a personal uh, stylist at, at uh, a major um, a major um, department store, okay, very major department store. She's a fabulous personal stylist, although she's phasing out of that right now. She wants to go into real estate. But um, one day she says to me, she says, you know, I know that you're disappointed in me because I'm just a stylist. And I said, honey, why would you say that? Of course I'm not disappointed in you. And she says, no, I could tell because when you, when people ask you what I do and you say I'm a stylist, you apologize for it. And I said, no, I don't. And she says, yeah, you do. And your friends do too because I'm not out teaching meditation or saving the world or, you know, holding AIDS babies in Uganda or joining the Peace Corps, all those things that you think uh, all those ways you think that people need to change the world. And then I went back and forth with her trying to convince her that I really wasn't, you know, judging her. And she said, um, and then finally I said, well, maybe there is some truth to that. And then she said, and you know what, Mom? I want you to know that I change as many lives as you do. And I said, how so? And she said, when I take a woman who has, felt unattractive their entire life and I find some beautiful clothes for them and some beautiful jewelry and I don't let them look into the mirror until I have them all outfitted and then I hold up their hair and I have them turn around and they look in the mirror and they realize for the first time in their life that they really are beautiful. That's what I do for people and I do that every day and I really do change as many lives as you do. I just do it my way. 
And these are the kids that we're raising. They are so high. They are so tapped in. And what we have to do is we just have to let go of needing their lives to look like we want them to look like. You know, my son, he's brilliant. He he dropped out of high school. And people would say, how did you let him drop out of high school? Well, he said it was just a complete waste of his time. He didn't care about calculus. He didn't care about physics. He didn't care about English literature. He started a business when he was um, 14 or 15 where he would go into the, you know, some of the rough neighborhoods in Chicago and he would uh, help high school basketball players get college scholarships. And, um, to this day, he's probably got hundreds of kids, college scholarships, who if it weren't for him, they would, because it's really, it actually, actually, he had a showcase last weekend, and he had 120 kids playing in front of 40 uh, coaches from colleges all over the country, and, and at this point, we know about 30, 30 some kids who have already gotten scholarship offers, and these are kids that really, they were playing, makes me cry, they were playing for their lives, because if they don't get a scholarship offer, they're not going to college. If they don't go to college, then the track of their life is usually not a pretty one. But because of my son and him following his passion and me not saying, what do you mean you're dropping out of high school? What do you mean you're not going to college? They know what's right for them. They know better than we do. We just have to let them follow their own inner guidance. And that's how you can be a great parent. One of the things that I, as a parent, have always struggled with is when am I empowering them and when am I uh, enabling them? And, you know, it's like because there seems to be such a fine line between being a parent and Another way to say it would be, you know, a lot of people feel like a parent should be a drill sergeant, you know, and it's it's our responsibility to get them to act in socially acceptable ways. And then on the other side of the coin, we need to let, you know, we need to let them become whoever they are able to become. And I remember, you know, to put some personal perspective on that i remember my father telling me i don't want to be your friend i'm your father mm-hmm. and I, I thought that was such a bizarre thing to say because it's like why can't you be both yeah and and so the the thing is is that you know you're you're a motivational speaker you're famous with your with what you can do for people, but when when do you know you're actually interfering with somebody as opposed to helping them become better? Well, a few things I would say about that. You know, there's this new term out there called parenting, P-E-E-R, parenting, like being a uh-huh. peer with them. And, um, you know, it's really interesting that, that that term is becoming popular because I think that the world of parenting is morphing. And it's just, again, following the vibration of the time. But I think that one thing that you can do is listen more than talk as a parent. 
ask them what they think. You know, when when my son wanted to drop out of uh, high school, I could have screamed and said, what are you doing? What are you thinking? You're practically at the end of your senior year. But I said, so why do you think that that would serve you? Why do you think that you'd be better off pursuing your career and not finishing high school? And what he had to say was so brilliant and so profound. And you know what, James? He ended up, he he went back and, and um, a few years later, he went and he finished his classes. He did it online and he still got his degree from his grade high school, Evanston. But it wasn't because I screamed at him and made him wrong. It was because I listened to him, listen more and talk less, even with your little children, the four and five-year-olds, listen more and talk less, and they have come here to be our teachers. It's not the other way around. They incarnated and were born through us because they are our teachers, and let me tell you, when I take the time to actually hear my kids' thoughts, they are my greatest teachers, and you know that I have been with the greatest living teachers and, pe- and teachers who have passed on. Nobody has taught me more than my children. Oh, I'll personally testify to that. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, and, you know, enabling them, so what? So, you know, I've been accused of enabling. Hey, my son, he, he's a quintessential millennial who is, is still sleeping on my couch at the age of 22. I still pick up his socks. I still do his grocery st- shopping. I still make his doctor's appointments. And you know what? So what? He's out in the world changing lives. I mean, if you had been at this showcase last weekend with these kids and these parents thanking my son for what he's done for their kids, so what if I pick up his socks? Just be the teacher who's living the teaching. You be congruent. You be honest with yourself. You do your own personal growth work. Don't worry so much about them. They'll take care of themselves. Oh, I, I, I was a, a lawyer for many years, and I did a lot of uh, domestic law or family law. And, you know, one of the things that, was so clear to me is that the children weren't the problem. It was the parents that were the problem. And, you know, if they would just, a lot of times they would focus on the kids to distract themselves from their issues. And so if, if they would just clean up their side of the fence, then the kids would be fine. But it just, you know, it's like I've seen a lot of parents, even with the best intentions, do a lot of really, really damaging things to their children. Um, You know what else? I just want to add one thing. People might think, well, hey, you know, your kids, they have the uh, um, value of growing up with you and teaching that you taught yes to success. You know, I never push those principles of yes to success onto my kids. If they heard me teaching it, I didn't make them come to my Yes to Success seminars. Um, I just, again, tried my best to be the teacher who's living the teaching, tried my best to live those principles in my life, and hope that some of them would be absorbed by my kids. But I have to tell you, this is really interesting. Um, Just the other day, I was on another interview, and I was just 
talking about some principles from Yes to Success, and my son, came, you know, tiptoed in because I was on on the radio, um, and um, he just stood there and he listened to what I was saying, and he came over and gave me a big kiss in the middle of the program. And later on, I said, "What was that about?" And he said, "I just love the fact that you don't teach anything." that you don't live. I never said that to him, but he noticed it himself. He noticed the congruence. And not that I don't slip, believe me, but that's it. Just be who you are, be true to yourself, and that's the best example, the best thing you could do for your kids. Okay, we're going to have to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for You with Carla Howell, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Get Real Radio with James Robinson. We'd love to hear from you. Please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mr.jamesmedia at gmail.com. That's mr.jamesmedia at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Get Real Radio with James Robinson, and we're talking today with Deborah Poneman. And one of the things that, because Deborah has just, you know, she's been around for a few years. She's dealt with the big names and the small names and the and the popular names and the not so popular names. And the one question I want want to talk to you about, Deborah, is how can you tell whether or not a teacher is sincere and legitimate. Listen to your intuition. You know. You know, the problem is, is that, well, first of all, 
if somebody says that they are the only one or theirs is the only way, it's just not possible. There are six billion people in the world. How could one teacher be the only one for everybody? Um, if they put other teachers down, then you know that they're coming from a place of ego. But here's the thing. You know, you know, but a lot of people go with a teacher anyway. And I've done that in the past. I have had times where every cell in my body was screaming, don't go with that teacher. But my weakness in life, one of them, is that I, I don't like to disappoint people. So if somebody asks me to promote them and I have all of these ideas for them, um, and I'm talking about promoting teachers, not even just being with teachers, I have a very hard time saying no. Saying no to someone feels like a death to me, and I'm working on that now. But I have discounted my own intuition, and I've uh, succumbed to my fear of saying no. But really... I am not going to be doing that anymore because people have to realize that no teacher is the source of your freedom. No one teacher is the source of your enlightenment. No one teacher is the source of your success. You are the source of your success. And that's why I love the teachers who don't make you dependent on them. That's an old model, you know, that model of the sage on the stage, Uh, uh-uh, it's now the guide by your side. They can guide you, but the teacher who makes it clear that you have to do your own work and they're not just going to wave a magic wand and your life is going to be magically perfect, it doesn't happen that way. And if anyone tells you that they are the teacher who will do that for you, then run in the other direction. Or if they ask you to be devoted to them uh, at, at the exclusion of any other teacher, run in the other direction, not the model that works right now. Well, there's still, uh, for lack of a better word, there's still a lot of cults out there. And by cult, I mean an organization where the, the founder or the guru or the teacher is everything, and everybody else is simply there to do what he tells them to do or she tells them to do. And it's like, you know, it's almost like you have to disempower yourself in order to get get what you want. And it's, I have a saying that, that spiritual organizations are what you join and cults are what you leave. But <laughs> it's, you know, it's, but the one thing I've been talking to all of my guests about is, you know, if you're in a situation that doesn't feel right to you or the 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 person that you're paying money to is is asking you to do things that you don't want to do or you don't feel is right to do then you sh- you shouldn't d- despite you know the, the hook is is that people these people are promising you something that that you think you can't get anywhere else right and it's just not true and Here's, here's the advice that I would give. When your inner voice says, this doesn't feel right, leave. Because the only reason you would stay is because you feel that you are not enough, that you need them in your life somehow, and you don't. 
And so when that intuition says you've got to leave, I know that it's a, that sometimes it's hard, but if you leave, I promise you that the arms of the angels are waiting to catch you on the other side, that your higher self is going to be so proud mm-hmm. of you for taking that step even in the face of fear, that really great rewards and great glory mm-hmm. is going to be waiting for you on the other side. I've seen it in my own life. And the longer you stay when your heart and your intuition says go, the not only harder is it going to be to leave, but the um, the karma that you're continuing to accumulate is going to take a little bit longer mm-hmm. to work through. So at that first impulse of this doesn't feel right, I would say, listen to your heart, listen to your intuition, and again, the arms of the angels will absolutely be waiting to catch you on the other side. Well, the, uh, I'm sure you've heard of the um, James Ray, the, the empowerment teacher that yes. was involved in the, um, tr- you know, the tragic deaths of some people in a sweat lodge. Right. So the the question I always had is that, you know, you, how did he, you know, why do so many people do such strange things to themselves thinking that somehow this is going to make them better? Well, it's because they don't trust their own best thinking. And that's why I love teachers who maybe maybe there's a healer who can heal something for you, but then they say to you, but you don't need me anymore. Now go use the teaching that I taught you. Look for other brilliant teachers and create a great life for yourself as opposed to listen to me and what I tell you to do and don't go outside the confines of my teaching. If anybody says that, those are the people that you have to be wary of. And I would say notice it at the beginning and don't wait until you're in the sweat lodge when the group think is so all-pervasive that it's hard to leave and then you die. And you either, I mean, God forbid that you die a, a physical death, but it's a death also of the spirit when you surrender your best thinking to somebody else's. So look for, for teachers who, um, you know, there are wonderful healers who will actually, I mean, I had somebody who uh, healed my elbow. I had, um, had some nerve damage. I was told by doctors that it wasn't going to be repaired for decades because it takes a nerve to, to grow back. It takes so long. Well, I had a teacher who, Really, my arm is perfect now, but he didn't say, and keep coming back to me every week because I'm going to heal the rest of you, although he does because he does ancestral clearings, but he also um, gives some techniques that you could use off on your own. You don't have to keep coming back to him every time, and those are the kind of teachers that I think are really the true teachers at this time. Okay, well, here's a question I know everybody is interested in, um, and you're the perfect person to ask this because you've helped a lot of people become successful. Yeah. And I know that there, uh, my observ- well, let me just say my observation is, is that 
their workshops and seminars are overflowing with people that want to quit their day job and and you know make a lot of money as an alternative healer or as a uh, spiritual guru or a channeler or and and I've had a number of successful practitioners on my show but what can you tell people what advice can you tell people about how you make money doing alternative healing and alter and empowerment stuff and that sort of you know what I call a spiritual industry okay and it is an industry and it's all about marketing and it's the the best marketer wins and that's why as you know um, my uh, former husband and still my best friend, um, Fred and I have helped so many people in the spiritual world become successful, people that we believed in, and then if we stopped believing in them, we have left, but it's all marketing, so uh, we're great marketers, and that's why we've, we've helped people to do that, but or to become successful, but my advice to people who have a gift and they want to share it with the world is... Don't quit your day job. There's actually a, a very specific way you could transition into this new uh, career that you want, and that is deserve and then desire. So how it works is this. Let's say you're a paralegal, but you have a gift of healing and you want to become a full-time healer. Don't complain about the job that you have and say how miserable you are, but go to work every day with the attitude, how can I serve? Look for what's good. Be grateful that you have a job with the unemployment rate still at 6%. Um, look for the why you're at that job because there are probably lives that you are touching every day and be grateful for everything about that job, okay? And... At the same time, don't wait until everything is perfectly in place for you to leave that job. Take a step every day closer to doing what you want to do. So if you want to be the, a healer, the first day you might start putting up a website. The second day you might see if you could um, give a talk or do some healing at your local yoga studio. The next day, so Every, don't let a day go by without making a contact or, or taking a step closer to your goal. And at first, you might have to do a lot of freebies. But word of mouth, that's the best, that's the best advertising these days. People trust each other. They trust their friends more than, that's why social media is such a great way because it's their friends. They look to see who their friends trust and who their friends love and who their friends are recommending. But every day, take a step closer to your goal and one day you will be able to leave your job as a paralegal. But I'm not one of those people who says, jump and the net will appear, especially when you have three kids to support and a mortgage to pay. But I do believe that you should not put your head on your pillow without taking a step closer to your goal. Are you doing that sort of work now? Or are you focusing on the self-empowerment? Uh, I am absolutely... Um, 
I have all I can do right now just with my Year of Miracles program and doing talks around the country. And uh, right now, I don't have time to, and also, you know, I have my own telesummit that where I interview people four nights a week. So I have my hands full. But when I find somebody that I love, I do what everybody else does. I just rave about them. If somebody is like, you know, this person who fixed my elbow, who I told you about, John Newton, I tell everybody about him because he fixed my elbow and he's helped so many of my friends. So uh, what I do is I don't formally do any uh, marketing or I don't hire myself out, although my my former husband still does and he's the genius of our duo. Uh, He has a marketing degree from Harvard Business School and he's incredibly brilliant at marketing, but Right now, personally, I am just doing my teaching. Well, thank you very much. And unfortunately, the, our time is up. And I know that I have a lot of questions I would still like to ask, but you've been very gracious in giving us your time. And uh, we, I, I have learned a lot. I hope everybody else is. So, but this is the end of today's Get Real Radio with James Robinson. Thank you, Deborah Poneman. Thank you. Thank you again for tuning in to Get Real Radio with James Robinson. Please join us again next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This week, open up your heart and look inside your spiritual self.